0: We return to our analysis of the Oxfam report highlighting women and girls' work to the tune of 12.5 billion hours per day for free with our guests. And want to remind you that this show is a taped show on Friday, February the 12th.
1: And then lastly, I just wanted to put this in the proper context because in that paper, they said taxing an extra 0.5% of the wealth of the richest 1% um, if governments were to increase taxation on the wealthiest 1% for the next 10 years, that would be the equivalent to creating 117 million care jobs in education, health, and elderly care in other sectors. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there, it, this is the nature of oppression, that you, have, you can have the economy growing where there's actually more wealth, but it's distributed in a way where there's actually more inequality, and yep. and the result is just uh, is just horrific. But but anyhow let, let me ask you, Amanda
2: But it was built to be that way. That's yeah,
1: go that's, ahead. Go ahead.
2: That, that's intentional, right? I mean, it's not I don't know that anyone's surprised by that. And this is what <laughs> what I think is interesting about that is um that we have seen, you know, we we, we know it, right? And nothing Changes. People are still married to this way, right? And then even you know, even the folks who are ready to sort of um, flip the switch, right, are are even are still scared. And especially the people who are benefiting the least, right, Mm -hmm. from this system, are really scared because they know that at least in the United States context, that if the ruling class is unhappy, what that means for them, Mm -hmm. right, dangerous.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're speaking with Kelly Coleman, and and she has 18 years of equity and social justice community organizing experience. And I I wanted to turn attention to Amanda. Amanda Hossel, you're with the City of Austin Equity Office, and you've also done a lot of work around immigration issues in the past as well. And so this is kind of the world environment that we're in and kind of going from the world environment, which we were just talking about, and bringing it down into the micro kind of U.S., down to Texas, down to the Austin environment here. Your office is trying to do a lot of work around the issues of, of equity. Can you explain a little bit about the function of the uh, City of Austin Equity Office and the team that, that you're part of and what uh, what you all are doing here in
0: Austin, Texas?
3: Yeah, and and first, before anything, I shouldn't really acknowledge that that Kelly is foundational to the equity office and was hired shortly after our supervisor Brian Oaks the chief chief equity officer was hired and she was part of you know a group of largely women of color who, who really pushed the city to help establish this office and so thinking about women of color as labor just wanted to bring that into the space too and 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 I've learned a lot from her, so I feel really fortunate that she's my colleague now. And, and working for the city is a really interesting thing. Um, working for any sort of government, I think, is probably it's challenging for a lot of reasons. And I think one of them is because of how we have to, our mind, it, it's incongruent with how people on the ground think. And, and operate and work. And once you enter this like very bureaucratic system, you start losing some of your humanity if you're not careful. And so a lot of what we try to do is to critically examine all of the like policies, the practices, procedures that the city, has in place, and, and we critically examine those to see where we're seeing the gaps in, in favorable outcomes, especially for people of color in Austin, because the Black folks and Latinx folks in Austin see greater wealth inequality with white folks than then found nationally. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, a lot of folks think, you know, Austin is, is very progressive. You know, that, that whole analogy they use about being the blue dot um in a red state but if you really start peeling back some of those layers just you don't even have to go too far you just peel back one layer you start uncovering first the the history that got us to where we're at now and then also just how we perpetuate it sometimes unknowingly but it's just built into all of our institutions so the equity office i mean at its creation, the charge was to, to develop an equity tool that every department within the city would then utilize and, you know, do some critical self-reflection and then develop, eventually develop action plans with, with actionable things that departments could implement within a year or two, because we, we believe that incremental small changes will amount to eventually the transformation that we want to see but you know stuff works really really slow in, in city government and it's it's by design for in a lot of ways but yeah I just I wanted to make sure that it was clear that, that Kelly mm-hmm. even though she didn't talk about it yet that she is foundational to the equity office with the City
1: of Austin very good, and yeah, I can can relate about the slow movement of change, right? In fact, you know, when when is when is progress? You know, a lack of progress. You know, I think we keep well, so many people will buy into the fact that these incremental changes are undeniable in some areas, and I'm thinking about just things like how we've talked before on this show about how slavery ended, but then through Jim
0: Crow, and then through modern modern forms of discrimination. You still have oppression continuing, but in new forms, resulting in still having
1: this second-class citizenry status. So you, on the one hand, you can say, well, look, we've got progress. So that is a, a very challenging thing. And, and, and before we turn back to Kelly, I just wanted to ask if you would, Amanda, just for our audience, kind of share the distinguishing factors that distinguish equity and equality. I think those are important terms.
0: And they are important concepts to differentiate if we are ever going to get to equality for all. Do you mind just taking a second? And differentiating the two?
3: Sure, yeah, of course. You know, I think a lot of folks tend to use these terms interchangeably, but they really do mean very different things. That's the other thing we also have to acknowledge in this that equity has become a really trendy word. Right. And, and so kind of digging into to the differences between both, I think, is really important in, in sort of normalizing this conversation around uh, systemic racism. And so, you know, I think equality is really about giving everybody the exact same resources, regardless of need or where they're starting from. And equity considers where folks are at and what they need to get where they want to be Mm -hmm. and so that that sometimes means well there's you know there's the consideration around the game of monopoly someone if there have been people playing monopoly for 400 years they've already bought up all of the good property and made all the wealth before these new folks have come into the game 400 years later and so Mm -hmm. It's really about considering, well, how do we get these folks up to where everybody is experiencing the wealth and the joy and the humanity that that others are? And I guess the Monopoly game probably isn't the best explanation, because that's buying into capitalism, because in the end, we really don't want any of that, right? We want, like, true liberation for everybody. But I think in the sense of thinking about equality and equity, it's helpful,
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think when you look at being a slave, obviously there's no wealth that you can transfer to the next generation for a couple hundred years, right? And then when you look at 40 acres and a mule that was promised and then stolen from uh, African-Americans, you know, then there's, they lost all that potential wealth.
0: And last week, as we alluded to earlier in the show... We focused great attention on both the GI Bill and the Social Security Act under FDR, uh, one before the war, one after the war, that both disproportionately aided whites over African Americans, again, uh, increasing the wealth disparity between African Americans and whites in a very substantial way. And this was compounded by additional forms of wealth transfer that occurred during the Jim Crow era, such as wealth transfer mechanisms such as convict leasing and the black codes that criminalized just about any type of behavior by blacks, uh, that then allowed them to be leased as convicts to corporations. And then the forms of modern day discrimination that occurred with redlining and all sorts of of predatory lending manifestations that further increased wealth siphoning from the African-American population and the disenfranchised to the 1%. Study wealth disparity in our country, and it will lead you to asking questions you never imagined you would ask.
1: Because, you know, it takes wealth to create wealth. You know, anybody can continue to make
0: wealth if they
1: start with a bunch of wealth.
0: So it's, a, it's kind of really a, a catch-22. and it's
1: Really kind of insidious thing. And we get in our country, we have the greatest welfare recipients are our corporations. You know, they get all of these subsidies. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's not, no one ever recognizes them. You know, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, they do
0: such a large part of
1: research around basic science that's paid for by the National Institute of Mental Health. That's our taxpayer money. And so we give them all of this basic science so that they can discover drugs. But when it's time to sell them drugs,
0: yeah, the majority population that put up all that investment capital in the form of our tax money, we get no return for that. All of the profiteering goes to whom? It goes to the pharmaceutical companies. Yet their success is predicated on our tax dollars. And that is just one small example of corporate welfare. I guess those
1: are the types of things that when you talk about equity and all that, if you really were serious about it, you would bring that to the forefront to really examine. Listen, I want to just remind listeners, this is bringing light into darkness. Monday News and Analysis, we're visiting with two esteemed guests, Amanda Hasso and Kelly Coleman. They both have been working for the city of Austin in the equity office there. They have a rich history of actually doing community outreach and doing community activism, which I I don't think there's a higher calling in life, to be honest, to be able to positively impact other people's lives in a real way. And Kelly, I thought I would just ask you, you uh, have been working with with women and children and the disenfranchised. When you look at strategies that you feel are the most appropriate to pursue to address the needs that are... Undermet or completely unmet. What are some of the strategies that you think the public should be educating itself about and getting involved with to help promote those issues?
2: So, I, I mean, I think for me that it should really be the people who are experiencing it—that's whose leadership we should be following, not the people who study it, not the people—you know what I mean, not the exactly. people who make right. money off of it, but the people who are living it, right? And I think that uh, whatever you're Struggling with should really be, you know, um, not just that, but like what you're benefiting from too, right? Like I'm, I identify as a black woman, but I'm also very light skinned, right? So I, I benefit from colorism, mm-hmm. right? And so that means I need to um, be conscious of that in the work that I do. So that means that the way that I step in the spaces, the way I orient myself, and the way that I work, really needs to needs to re- reflect that, right? Like I need to be able to take risks, maybe that other folks aren't can't take,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And and things like that, you know. I, I think that you know if you're if you see injustice, you should you should try to learn more about it. I think something that I really appreciate Amanda for because she is an archivist, and you know her work is around communications and history. She's able to go back and find receipts of everything that, that people think that we're, we're way past, right? And then come to find out we're looking at documents that show, you know, that these things happened not that long ago, right? In the grand scheme of things, this country is really young, you know? And the majority of its time, people, my ancestors, were enslaved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and did not have rights and were not seen as human. So I think that interrogating the history too to me is like is is one of the most important pieces and also so that we know right like i don't th- i don't know that we would have um started Mamasana if one we hadn't been being directly impacted ourselves by these systems two if we didn't or hadn't studied or understood some of the history of the work that has already happened right Around this, like the the Black Panthers or the Young Lords or the Brown Berets, even right, like the work here that those folks have done, the organizing here, and um, we wouldn't have been able. I mean, that, it just you know we we have to be able to to acknowledge that and to and to know it, because otherwise, um, we'll keep you know making the same mistakes over and over again, right? And so it's always nice to learn from what other folks have have done. And I think we have some really amazing elders right here in this community who I learn from on a regular basis and who I have a lot of respect for that we learn from their work. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And those are the people that I think that should be being followed and listened to.
1: Amanda, what can you add to that kind of the path that, you would really promote our listeners to be considering to address some of these problems that create yeah. the, uh, the oppression that we're talking about?
2: I, I would say, you know, to learn more so you can be involved. And, you know, whether it's with Poder or whether it's, you know, at a, at a local farm, whether it's with Mama Sana or Black Mamas ATX or whoever... It's with get to know the history of that organization and and the history of that issue and and go crazy, right?
1: Yes, create some <laughs> create some mayhem. mayhem. Uh, w- w- what other groups that 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 either of you may be aware of that are, are are worthy of really kind of paying attention to and doing real positive work in the community around these issues? Any other groups you, um, you mentioned? A couple of uh,
2: yeah. Recently, um, I've been paying a lot of attention to um, Black trans leadership, Austin. Mm-hmm. I think that they're they're doing some really cool and interesting work around housing, and I appreciate them and their work. Mm-hmm. And then I think Communities of Color United for Racial Justice is an organization that I follow. I think grassroots leadership does really good work. Mm-hmm. Um, Ice out of Austin and. Uh, texas all <laughs> go yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um Texas advocates for justice there's a there's a bunch of them at the alliance for african american health in central texas uh um, oh, Austin Bama Austin Gava yes <laughs> i'm on Gava's board Oh,
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said
2: it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of organizations that are uh, awesome that are doing really really good work for my white folks about. out there, Undoing White Supremacy Austin,
1: mm-hmm. I think
2: does good work. Austin Justice Coalition is also another organization mm-hmm. that right? that I right. think is trying to do their thing out there, too. There's the Survivor Justice Project, mm-hmm. Amanda Lewis and them. I think they're doing great work.
3: And also, there's so many mutual aid groups out there right yeah. now, who, especially you know with COVID-19 exacerbating the disparities with people of color and just all of our unsheltered folks that we have right now that, you know, we're in a crisis. And I think even if we have a lot of problems as a city, there are so many people on the ground actually, you know, confronting that um, and doing what they can in, in collectives that don't necessarily, that aren't waiting for, for the city to catch up, you know?
1: Very good. We should try to do that. We should try to, maybe on the fifth Monday of, you know, sometimes we have five Mondays in a month. So we have five bringing light into darkness shows and maybe we can create a fifth Monday where we bring in four of these groups and let them share.
0: The type of knowledge and experiences that the both of you have shared tonight.
1: Because this has been a powerful show with respect to getting an insight into those people that are doing something, you know, what they're doing. It's just completely kept from the public. Like you say, so many people talk about, you know, about what the problem is. But when it comes to the solution-oriented side of what's working and also find out what's not working. But, uh, you know, we are a community radio station. And if we really are serious about trying to promote uh, meeting the needs of the underserved I think your point, Kelly, is very well taken that the people that would know most about that are the underserved. And we need to uh, we need to hear those voices. Anyhow, we have just a couple of minutes left. It's gone so quickly. But let me ask, Amanda, how would you sum up kind of some take home messages or or things that you think are important for people to consider? And uh, then we'll ask Kelly the same question.
3: Sure. Yeah, I think. The most important thing is following the leadership of the people who are the most directly impacted by our systems. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for white folks out there and Latinx folks and other people of color who are not black, especially, is to really interrogate anti-blackness and how that shows up in yourself, in your circles, in these systems, and then also learning about institutional and systemic racism, all the different forms of racism, because it's not just about individual racism. It's, it's so much greater than that.
1: Very good. How, how about you, Kelly? What, what, what would you add? I think
2: that, you know, that people need to, they got to do their work, right? Like, I think people um, are real clear about where they experience oppression, but aren't real clear about where they are privileged in these systems and need to and need to understand that too, right? You know, I think it, it goes back to, um, you know, we need to center the people who are most directly impacted, most negatively impacted in these systems so that we change outcomes for everyone, right? And not just the people who have been benefiting, right? And that, you know, that we're trying to be showing up as fully human. There's, the way that we stratified our society, like, people can't be fully human. I mean, just hearing you quote that stat from um, the study you talked about around labor, right, and and um, how, like, disturbing that is, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And some people don't even work and their money making money, right? Like, it's crazy, you know? And then there's people who are working until they die, you know?
1: And don't have any money. So yeah,
2: Don't have nothing, you know? Don't have no rest, you know, don't have no vacate, like nothing. And so, yeah, I also think people, we should start reconsidering what we think success is and Mm. um, what we look at as being, what we think we need to be happy, you know, things like that, our own stuff, right?
1: Well, I know as an Anglo-privileged person, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've always had trouble doing, I'm doing better at it now, but the silence Part you know when you hear some type of racial overtone and don't say anything that, that that's as big a crime mm-hmm. as there, as as there is especially when it's your friends you know because friends will generally listen to friends they'll, they'll say man I must have maybe stepped off in a way and and just that you know implicit racism that so many people don't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, mm. is is also something but i i really like what you said about wealth you know it, it, you know wealth is created from only one place and that's human beings labor you know that's the only place it comes from and most of it is never paid for you know we talked about it today with the oxfam report and such or it's underpaid for you know or it's outright right. slavery or whatever so if you've got wealth out the kazoo instead of thinking it's you know you've got some marvelous talent that no one else has it probably has a lot more to do with the fact that that a lot of the wealth that you have become the owner of is really from the labor that people did not get adequately compensated for you know? and uh,
2: right it's it's not you something ain't right right and i think that you know we're like fish in water i say it all the time don't know we wet most of the time right Mm-hmm. So it's it's what we're used to It's what we've become acclimated to And we're wanting people You know right now I'm so inspired by young people And like all the organizing That's happening all over the world Around this To really imagine something Better and something different And really working towards that Right and for me That's what I'm, What brings me hope Is yeah. that it doesn't have to be this way Right and, and we can Absolutely change it
3: Radical
1: Hope. Radical Hope. And and I can't tell you how honored it's been to talk to two community activists, people that are actually out there doing something about the problem, Kelly Coleman and Amanda Hasso with the City of Austin Equity Office. Is there any, on the way out the door tonight, is there a, a web address or anything about the work that the city is doing that you'd like to leave with us?
3: Yeah, we have a dashboard on our city of Austin equity office webpage. It can be a little difficult to nav- navigate, but it's austintexas.gov slash department slash equity dash office.
1: Oh, I'll remember that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so say it one more time.
3: Austin, slash department slash equity dash office.
1: Perfect. All right, my friends, thank you so much for your work, for your time tonight, and we're out of time. So um, we'll look forward to seeing everybody next week, bringing light into darkness. We'll be back next week at the same time, and and we uh, appreciate you uh, uh, passing on this information and starting your own journey into trying to understand what we can do to uh, serve The overwhelming majority of the world's population that, uh, through no fault of their own, are having huge problems making ends meet. See you next week.
0: Please stay tuned for our local music mix that comes up next. To our listening public, thank you for joining us once again. Please email any questions, comments, or interest to pgatos00 at gmail.com. We take you out as we do each week with Land of Naivety. See you next week.
3: He breaks all his own love.